Namaste. So we continue with this series of Shurbindo's life through his poems. And as we have often said, human life, we have a tendency to cut everything into bits and parts. So you'll see standard biographies, this period, Baroda, this period, Kolkata. While all that is okay, but life moves organically. Already life is hidden inside the stone, that's how it comes out. So we see in Shurabindu's life right from the beginning, the seeds as we have seen in his poem as a 10 year old, the seed of the avatar, actually not even a spiritual being but an avatar. Then we see in just his adolescence, we already see uh, like in mother's writing in adolescence, path of later on, 15 year old, we already see that the revolutionary and the spiritual revolutionary both, the freedom, the one who would initiate in a way, actually initiate the freedom movement and the spiritual revolutionary, the visionary, all that is already there. This is the beauty of, you know, uh, the organic growth. So, um, we see in Shurbindo's life also, and it's in according to Shurbindo's own um, own letter, which he writes, or rather he corrects portions of his biography, where people speak about that you know he came to Baroda, joined the state civil service. Subsequently, at some point, he went into the freedom struggle. Shurbindo has corrected it, and he said no. Even while in Cambridge. He knew that he had to play a great role in the country's freedom struggle and he knew that this is what he wants to do when he comes. And actually we see that even before coming he has written a couple of articles and as soon as he comes he starts the Hindu Prakash or rather he starts writing for it but they are too fiery so he used to drop out. Then what happens during 1894 to roughly 6-7 year period Shurabindo concentrates on understanding the field because he has plunged into a field he has, he has come with a tremendous revolutionary impulsion within him if you look at his own life past life Danton then we see Trojan War you know there is a poem I was just discussing three cries of Diophobus so Diophobus is the character when uh, all the Odysseus and all of them enter in the Trojan horse so Diophobus is one of the brother of Hector in Paris in fact after Hector he is considered to be the uh, noble and warrior. So he is the only person who cautions them. That look here, you people are asleep, you think you have won the victory, you are enjoying wine, you are enjoying all this, but actually you should be awake. Otherwise, Troy can be seized. So he had sensed that this horse contains probably the warriors and he had a plan to kill them. So there is a poem called Three Cries of Diophobus. We also see that he was inspired by the Irish Revolution. So we see lines on, you know, Irish Revolution, which we have the Island Grave, Charles Stuart Parnell. So all these are poems related to the Irish Revolution. We also see to the boards, there is a poem like that. So the boards were basically, there was a uprising against England or that time the empire in South Africa and neighboring colonies. So this uprising was the Boer War. This again at the end of the century. Which uh, ultimately they lost. Though initially they won but ultimately they were set back. So we see all these things crowding together in Shurabindo uh, to awaken. And he was himself Danton who had you know, sacrificed so much for the, uh, for the countries, for the great uh, uh, struggle, for uh, the great ideals for which they lived. So we see these poems reflecting that mood of the 
um, revolutionary which is taking place. But was India ready? No, it was not ready because he had come with such a fire that people were not ready for that. They wanted supplication, they wanted prayer and petition. This is the word Shirobinder has used. That then the then Congress wanted to adopt the policy of prayer and petition, and he very beautifully in his articles reminds us that it is not possible that the British will ever concede because they have so much stakes involved. They have so much to loot. They have so much, you know, their economy is running on this. Why would they actually give you independence just because you are praying and you are, you know, petitioning? So that part we have already spoken about in Shubhendu's writings, um, the Bandi Matram. So here we see that he was able to foresee that there were great revolutions which were coming, and India needed to be shaken up because it had to play a central role. So there is a very interesting poem of Shubhendu written in the Baroda period. I'll just uh, read a little bit of that. Um, in the moonlight. So this is a poem where Shurbindo uh, foresees the end of a end of the age, and the poem is um, okay. Till we find the poem in the moonlight and get the page. Let me read another one. You know that was a time when. Life and death were playing around. You know, we see Shubhendu invoking Kali. In fact, uh, last week we read about uh, one of the Bengali poems where he invokes Kali, or rather, he is aware. The mother awakes. That you know, she is woken up, and she is awake. And what she wants? She wants the sacrifice of um, of those who would die for her, who are who are living for her and die for her. So, when you are participating, going to participate in a movement. Where your um, life and death are at stake, so the first thing important is to get rid of the fear of death completely. So that's what we see in the Gita, because Arjuna is going to fight a great battle, not only against his own people, but you know, it's one thing that you fight a battle which is a friendly battle, <laughs> but quite another where deadly, all the deadliest combination of people are against you, where death can stalk you at any point of time. So we see some of the poems during this period are centered around death, and what was Shirobindo's thought about death? And he was reminding the people that don't be afraid of death. If you want to participate in the freedom struggle, be ready to die if that be the need of the great mother. So this is a poem to weep because a glorious sun, to weep because a glorious sun has set, which the next morn shall gild the east again. To mourn that mighty strengths must yield to fate. That oh, he was a great man. See what happened. He is lying on the you know road into dust. He died. He died such an ignominious death, which by that fall a double force attained. So he is reminding us that those who live for a greater ideal, even if they die, it is not a loss because they return back with greater force. In Savitri, this is what he um, reveals to us that. Uh, you know the spirit rises mightier with each defeat its godlike wings grow wide with every fall so greater force attain to shrink from pain without whose friendly strife joy could not be to make it terror of death what is the halabalu about death the punch line will come in the end so right now he just stating the clauses who smiling beckons us to further life why we are afraid of death it is smiling us to further life 
and is a bridge for the persistent breath. The breath that persists from one life to another, it's just a bridge taking us through that. Despair and anguish and the tragic grief of dry set eyes or such disastrous tears as rend the heart though meant for its relief. And all man's ghastly company of fears are born of folly. What is that folly? That ignorance are born of folly that believes this span of brittle life can limit immortal man. The second chapter of the Gita summarized so beautifully. That why are you afraid? You think they will die or you will die? Nothing. Who dies? So that aspect of Shri Krishna, we often suddenly, you know, make such transitions that, oh, Shri Krishna suddenly came into Shirobindo. It's not that suddenly on 24th November 1926, suddenly Shri Krishna came from the blues. We see Shirobindo's life right from beginning. And that's what he tells Niruddha that, uh, you know, when he says, uh, at one place he casually, passingly mentions, I have lived a dangerous life, much more dangerous than you people can imagine. So he asked Shirobindo, sir, uh, I mean, what did you mean by dangerous life? She said, oh, you don't understand what is a dangerous life? <laughs> I mean, for years, uh, actually, by the time he started writing Bande Matram, he was already getting onto the hit list of the uh, British government. And even before that, organizing a revolutionary movement. Any time, you could be just picked up, sent to gallows or you know, forced imprisonment. Then, of course, the Alibur bomb trial. So, he says, you don't think it is a dangerous life? So, what is dangerous life really? So, we see here, he had got over all these things. The next poem, which we will not read, but worth reading uh, later on, those who are interested. What is this talk of slayer and the slain? So, if you read these two poems, we see actually he is preparing himself for the war that is to come. And the two poems very beautifully summarize Sri Krishna's own uh, revelations on death. What is this talk of slayer and of slain? Swords are not sharp to slay nor floods assuage the flaming soul. I find these lines so much more remarkable than, you know, Nanam Chiddanti Shastrani Nanam Dahati Pavaka. So, the flaming soul, mortality and pain are mere conventions of a mightier stage. As when a hero by his doom pursued falls like a pillar of the huge world up tone, shaking the hearts of men and awe imbued, silent the audience sits or weeps forlorn. Hero has fallen, the whole audience is watching, you know. Meanwhile, behind the stage, the actor sighs, deep lunged relief, puts off what he has been, and talks with friends that waited or from the flies, watches the quiet of the closing scene. Even so, the unwounded spirits of the slain, beyond our vision, passing live again. So many of these poems we see, he is shaking off this fear, this comfort zones in his writing, Burjo and the Samurai. So the Samurai ideal, Shurbindo, put across before mankind, especially India, because he knew that people are so happy with their comfort zone, they don't want to leave it. And that again comes in one of his very beautiful poems. Uh, of course, one of our favorites is Baji Prabhu. So, Baji Prabhu is uh, based on a real incidence. Now, only that part is taken up. Rest all Ishwarbindu says that it's his own rendering of the incidence. So, the incidence was that Rangana Fort where about 12,000 men, uh, mainly Mughals, but also Afghans, Pathans, Rajputs, uh, were pitted against just a few Marathas. Probably handful, maybe 50. 
through a very dangerous pass and they had to hold and who will hold them so baji prabhu is the leader he says i will hold it and one by one the description is how he faces them literally pushes them back he has to wait till evening from morning till evening the fight will go on because somebody has gone to fetch shivaji with guns and arms and ammunition so for at least you know good number of hours he has to hold against the assault of 12000 huge army just about you know um, men in tens not even hundreds and of course it's an up climb for the enemies but still 12000 is huge number and baji prabhu holds the fort there again we see this that how fear of death can pass away in such moments and i'll just uh, read a few lines since it is uh, especially dashera week so these lines are literally an invocation of durga and how durga works so uh, sometimes i feel uh, let me just not ventilate but you know people celebrating durga puja i see also one today some message uh, dashera festivities are there have festivities uh, enjoy have fun my god i mean durga demands blood of the heart not fun <laughs> i mean happy dashera let me be mahisasur literally it means that durga is not moved by this kind of worship you may bring and install the idol but she wants to be installed in the heart and shubindu knew right then ki it is durga who guards the fate of india so we see here in durga stroth is she's already done that but that's at the end durga stroth is the last composition but here we see that through baji prabhu this also 1909 around that period but he actually reminds us that you know we must become instruments of durga if we really want the freedom struggle and here we see when there is a very nice little Uh, little exchange between him and Tanaji Malsure, who is uh, going to fetch Shivaji, and he says that uh, he tells him that you know I am going to come and I hope um, I will see you. And Baji answered him, Tanaji Malsure, not in this living net of flesh and nerve. nor in the flickering mind is a man's manhood seated flickering mind should i should i not hesitation courage and love shurbindo regarded as the indispensable virtues he says all the rest can be eclipsed but courage and love can alone save the soul and this what we find is so much you know missing even when he speaks about the cause of india's decline he says we have lot of knowledge <laughs> we have so many philosophies paths we have bhakti we don't we don't lack in bhakti but we lack in strength so he says that what is needed is strength and we see him invoking strength god within rules us so in the brahmin and the dog see the geeta again and again samalosht kanchana uh, um, the brahman the swana the pandit all these hastini gay Uh, Claude, all these are manifestations of the divine. So he says, "Who in the Brahmin and the dog can, if he will, show equal Godhead? Not by many's righteousness achieved. Baji or Malsure is but a name, a robe, and covers one alone. We but employ Bhavani's strength, who in an arm of flesh is mighty as in the thunder and the storm." so the same might which we see in the thunder and the storm can enter in arm 
And of course, this is an experience of the past life where he said during Napoleon, he saw the arm of God striding through Europe. The same strength can inform the body and the arm of a person. I ask for 50 swords. He says, I just want 50 swords to come, nothing else. And Malsure, well, Baji, I'll build thee such a pyre as man had never yet. When we return, for all the deck and brightening shall cry out, Baji, the Prabhu burns. So he said, I know you are on a suicidal mission. <laughs> this is Yagya, this is Ahuti. He was inviting all the Indians to come and be ready for the Ahuti because a Yagya is going to start. So if we look at really the freedom movement, people often say it restarted with uh, you know Mangal Pandey. But actually speaking, the reasons why he started were very different and it died down very soon. It, of course, there was a resistance and all that. After that, almost from 19, 1857 to 2000, I mean 1900, almost 40 years, we see everything is quiet. And Shurvindo really rekindled that fire. From the smoldering ashes, he rekindles the fire. The same ashes on which the pyre of Rani Lakshmi Bai and their pyre was lit, he rekindles it and brings out the strength of Bhavani. And with a smile, the Prabhu answered, Me thou shalt not burn for this five feet or more of bone and flesh, whether pure flame or jackals of the hills, be fattened with its rags, may well concern others, not Baji Prabhu. And the chief with a high calmness, in a shining look, we part. O friend, but meet again we must. When from a task released, we both shall run like children to a mother's clasp. So, you know, this idea that death of the body is nothing. What is important is the immortal soul. All through we see. And then there is a beautiful passage, you know. Bhavani is, okay, mother Bhavani is the goddess of India. Making an idol, calling her, you know, installing her in a pandal. And people go to ridiculous extent. Chocolate made Mother Durga and God knows. All that is okay. It's fine. You know, maybe some memory has to be preserved. But actually the time has come when um, Durga has to be installed in our hearts. The thing is, are we pure enough? In 1910, Shubindo invited us to that journey. Are we still ready? I was sharing this with someone that, you know, still, even those who have read Sri Aurobindo's Durga Strot, still we will hear that morning Mahalia, I am going to wake up and, you know, listen. Whereas Sri Aurobindo's Durga Strot is lifting, lifting it to what levels? So here he describes, so now we see Baji Prabhu is fighting and slowly, slowly everyone is dying. There are just about handful, three or four or five left. And there is no sign of Shivaji. What does he do at that point of time? Does he save his life? Not to a Kshatriya of that time, the Samurai. To run away and save your life is death. Death is not falling on the battlefield. Death is to run away and save your life. So that is death. We read that in you know Vidula, where Vidula tells her son that you want to live, that is worse than death. Better <laughs> you die. So here the description of the goddess entering into Baji Prabhu and he is transformed in a moment of apocalypse. Page 305. So fought they for a while. Then suddenly upon the Prabhu all the goddess came. Loud like a lion hungry on the hills. He shouted and his teacher seemed to increase striding upon the foe. 
You see, the description is so graphic. I mean, Shivinda has definitely experienced all these things. Rapid is sword, like lightning playing with a cloud made void. The crest before him on his either side. The swordsman of the south with swift assault, preventing the reply. Till like a bank. The swordsman of the south is describing the Deccan, the Marathas. So from the side, south are preventing all these swordsmen. Till like a bank of some wild river, the assault collapsed over the stumbling edge and down the rise and once again the desperate moment passed. What they did was just few of them standing and as they are trying to climb, they are constantly reversing till the entire thing collapses because they are trying to climb. So hundreds of them just collapse while trying to climb. So there is a moment of respite. The relics of the murderer's strife remain, but it's not like the war is over. Corpses and jewels, broidery and gold, but not for this would they accept defeat. So they are also going to, you know, once more they came and almost held. Then wrath rose in the Prabhu and he raised himself in soul to make an end. But even then, so now he has come to make the complete sacrifice. That if that's what Bhavani wants, I am prepared for that. These were the kind of men who won really, uh, who, who run in the veins of uh, Indian nation. And it's so sad when we, you know, like Shobindo says that, you know, India lies low in selfishness. When we are talking about petty things and small things and, you know, confined to these small little personal joys, personal pleasures. So he says, a stillness fell upon his mood and all that godlike impulse faded from his heart and passing out of him a mighty form stood visible, titanic, scarlet clad. Nowhere we'll read such descriptions of Mother Kali. Shobindu is a shakt. We see that a worshipper of Shakti and people who paint him like a philosopher, they, okay, 1914, there is the live divine, nobody denies it. But look at the bhakta. He starts with bhakti. And when we read through his writings, this, they, they are fire. They are not writings which are like, you know, uh, wideness and that kind. They are fire, literally breathing fire. So here we have, and passing out of him a mighty form stood visible, titanic, scarlet clad, dark as a thunder cloud, with streaming hair, obscuring heaven, and in a sovereign grasp, the sword, the flower, the boon. The bleeding head, Bhavani. Then she vanished. The daylight was ordinary in a common world. And Baji knew the goddess formidable who watches over India till the end. So this is what he has seen. And because she gave him the vision, he is the instrument to save that time. And he knows that now she is here, she is watching over and no harm can eventually come. And this is a story where Baji dies eventually. He dies, lays down his life. But by then Shivaji comes and he holds the fort till Shivaji's return. And at the end he is very touching. Shivaji, when he looks at him, he takes off his own crown, diadem and gives it to Baji that you deserve it. But he sees, sees Shivaji sees that on his brow there is a much greater crown already which has been crowned to him by none else but the mother goddess. So this is what we see Shurabindo's way. He awakens the soul, inspires, not instructs like do this, do that. People who want to, yoga is not done like that. That's why the first thing he speaks about is aspiration. What is aspiration? It's a fire. 
it's not like okay let me think about it let me calculate which is better let me weigh the options this yoga versus that yoga okay what am i going to get in this yoga wait for a life if that's what we are looking for what can i give at one point the mother says that what is ultimate bhakti when you give to the divine without expecting anything even from him in return the joy of giving what she is pointing out is the joy of giving that's what we see in shurabindo during that freedom struggle it's a spiritual nationalism a spiritual uh, freedom movement if we want to put it we have unfortunately painted gandhi as a you know spiritual freedom movement with all is you know lati khayenge lati leke chalenge this is not uh, spiritual shurabindo says gandhi is a european in an indian body and the reason why gandhi was so much publicized because it suited the british actually had gandhi continued india would have not got freedom it got freedom because the conditions of the world changed in such a way the second world war that there was no way but to leave they couldn't handle the colonies after that but it didn't come because of gandhi in fact perhaps it got postponed because of him though he used paradoxically the methods which shurabindo himself had spoken about passive resistance and boycott and all the method that he has stated in bande matram so here we have shubindo when divine mother last time we read that she has um given a call the mother awakes and shubindo is awake in that night and hears the call now he has become the messenger in that way if you want to put it he is now calling who will come who will come who will come uh, in 1902 we see one of the first men Uh, whom shirbindo in a way initiated into the revolt uh, the method of revolt which put a lot of pressure on the british government is bagajatin and bagajatin we know why his name was bagajatin because he could kill a tiger bare handed and this is the man um, his grandchildren were here we know togada passed away he was in the ashram prithvin mukherjee who is still Uh, by the mother's grace alive he is in france and bagajatin's grandson togada was the man who stood single handedly when ashram was attacked so something of his grandfather's blood and the mother says durga had come over him this was her words so he fought like that as if durga is over him in fact she said durga had come over him and eventually he was struck in the head and he fell on the one of the nallas but uh, survived because it was bhavani taking care of him so mother speaks of all that so bagajatin was initiated to form groups in bengal who could become hubs of revolutionary activity so if we trace the movement we'll see around 1902 anushilan samiti that was one of the first group which was formed and these groups uh, will now we hear about akhadas and nirmohi akhada and all these akhadas so akhada culture started that way earlier to defend against the um islamic onslaught and then the british so akhada came in a big way because if you say that we are practicing armed revolt then nobody will allow you so akhada was a very good way to train the young people to fight out when there is an assault so with the lathis they learned you know yesterday we read i think that with the lathis they fought a whole empire not taking a lathi in the hand and limping through it but holding the lathi as a challenge against the british empire against cannon balls that's how uh, okay that was the sacrifice needed eventually of course world conditions change and the freedom came so we read today this poem very interesting it's uh, now shurbindo in turn is inviting who will come 
come with me now there is a whole war but he never did it outwardly outwardly he was doing it without the knowledge of the you know he was in baroda service but he had to leave the baroda service at some point because he was needed in bengal in bengal he left the national college this is a remarkable um, i would say inspiration for all of us very few people would know that why he left the, uh, the uh, national college in calcutta where he was invited as to be the principal and he was earning there because he was implicated in the cases by the british government and he knew that if he continues the college itself may come under a scanner so he resigned so that the college is safe and he will face it alone and all the students that time they come they pray for him and all this and he tells them that don't pray for me if you are really praying for me become instruments of this country live for her if you go out gain new knowledge and come back serve her that is a remarkable speech where he sets the gold standards that if by my fall if by my resignation the institution is saved save the institutions not me what an ideal which you know today hardly not you know you hardly find anybody i don't know of any name where a person to save the institutions is ready and willing to sacrifice himself and shubindu was not guilty mind you it's not that he was saying no no i am not guilty why should i resign all that he did was to save the institution that no because they will eventually shoot at the institution so that's shubindu and that's why he is calling who are the people you are calling he is sending them an invitation letter from the great revolutionary kali bhakt that come come with me i want men not many 100 men who are complete men <laughs> ready who is a complete man who is willing to sacrifice all for the sake of the one so invitation with wind and the weather beating round me up to the hill and the moorland i go who will come with me who will climb with me wade through the brook and tramp through the snow nor in the petty circle of cities if you want comfortable life to live you know i want nice you know mercedes and what is it called huge many servants to take care huge ac guided buildings whatever so then you stay there the invitation is not for you select people who are willing to give completely so people often say you know call to the yoga who gets the call and even to sustain it is difficult if one is ready to lose everything when a group of people came by train to the mother and said Uh, the disciple asked mother there are people who have come they want to know um, how will they are they going to benefit from the supramental mother says benefit tell them nothing and then she says they will get few punches on their noses they want to benefit love you want don't want to give anything you want god to just provide you but unless we give how will there be space to receive anything of him we want to carry the entire world as it is and we also want god unfortunately he is too vast <laughs> he tells us empty the contents maybe little bit of me can come into you so not in the petty circle of cities crammed by your doors and your walls i dwell over me god is blue in the welkin against me the wind and the storm rebel it is both a story of the inner and the outer life i sport with solitude 
here in my regions. See, we have popularized so much. Akla chalo, akla chalo, je koi dark sune na, tumi akla chalo. Now mark these lines. I sport with solitude here in my regions. Of misadventure have made me a friend. What will happen? Misadventure will come. Oh, I am quite comfortable with it. <laughs> Who would live largely? Who would live freely? Here to the wind-swept uplands ascend. I am the lord of tempest and mountain. See? Who can describe Rudra and Shankara in one word, in one phrase? He is not using the word. So if we are looking for a word, we will be mistaken. There is another poem, Shiva Epiphany, where he describes the two moods of Shiva. That is also before going to Pondicherry, during the revolutionary movement. So he is describing Rudra. Or who is Rudra? Lord of the tempest. And who is Shiv Shambhu? Mountains. I am the lord of tempest and mountain. I am the spirit of freedom and pride. Moksha. And Shiva the mighty one. Stark must he be and a kinsman to danger. So Shiva is calling for the sacrifice. Stark must he be. You can't go there saying, it's too cold in Mount Kailash, I want to wear five fur coat. Sir, please arrange all this. Stark must he be and a kinsman to danger who shares my kingdom and walks at my side. Have you ever seen in Kailash anybody wearing fur coats and all that? <laughs> so, this is the beauty of Shiva. But thankfully, you know, if Shurabindo had to take us along, this is what he would have asked us. And he knew man is not ready. So he said, I could have helped myself but not others. And that's why we have the mother. But before we come to mother, we see finally this poem of Shurabindo. Or even before that, what he had foreseen in the moonlight. Just quickly we will read a few lines. There is a poem. Again, he has written um, all this before coming to Pondicherry. And here he had seen already that this age is ending. So you know all that we talk about, Shurabindo becoming a yogi and developing foresight and all, already it is there. And how beautifully he writes. He rises now. Who rises now? Lord Vishnu from his sleeping couch. He rises now. For God has taken birth. Suddenly his couch is empty. He has taken birth. In whom? <laughs> Leave it to the Lord who is writing. He rises now for God has taken birth. The revolutions that pervade the world. When God comes, first there is revolution. Every time Rama has come, Krishna has come, now Shurabindo. Because the whole Prithvi and Devlok and all the worlds, they are uh, you know, under his feet. Are faint beginnings and the discus hurled of Vishnu speeds down to entering the earth. If we look at the previous century, from late 1800s to the first 20 years of uh, the previous century, we see revolutions almost till the middle. And one can see very clearly that there is the breath of God upon the waters of life. Then now what we call revolutions are, you know, nothing really. Now we have dharnas over petty issues. Some accident takes place, people give dharna. It has come down to that. Somebody dies, people give dharna. And they do dharna for every kind of things. Other day there was a dharna once in Pondicherry. 
So I just <laughs> comically I asked them, amused at the whole sight. I said, why you are doing dharna? Very clear, thousand rupees and a bottle of wine. Telling this is, but that revolution is very different. This this can attain achieve nothing except maybe a spotlight in the newspaper and people think that something can be done by that. Yes, something will be done. Your name is marked in the register of hell. Because you had not the courage and you deceived and duped and showed publicly as if you are somebody and something. Whereas deep inside there was nothing but hollow and selfishness in the breast. But here is the chakra of Vishnu, Sudarshan, the old shall perish Daksha is gone, slain by Shiva. You want to revive him at your risk. <laughs> Headless Daksha, the old shall perish, it shall pass away. Expuned, annihilated, blotted out. And all the iron bands that ring about man's wide expansion shall at last give way. It's the age of wideness, vastness. Anything that is narrow, anything that is stifling, it cannot survive. He has broken these bands and we see that in everywhere, in everything. You know, nowadays, in olden days, children obey their parents, children obey their teachers, wives obey their husbands. Now, <laughs> parents obey their children, <laughs> teachers obey their students. Uh, they can tell you, na, the other day somebody had, he tell little student tap on the head and he, 10 year old, he said, you know, if, if I go to the police, you can be taken to jail. So the old teacher who had lived here for God knows 50 years, he said, what are you talking? He said, yes, these are the children who bring revolutions. I saw the omnipotent flaming pioneers. And of course, we know that husbands obey because nowadays... If husband goes to court, he may fight and prove. But if a wife goes to court, you are in trouble. So, freedom, God, immortality. I am not inciting anybody, okay? <laughs> Please don't go. Court is the worst place to go. Police is the worst people to... I mean, you cannot sort out any problem this way. Huh? I was about to say and doctors are the worst people to heal. <laughs> The all-healing doctor is within us. Please forgive all my colleagues. Love, wisdom, justice, joy and utter strength gather into a pure felicity. It comes at last, the day foreseen of old. What John in Patmos saw, what Shelley dreamed, vision and vain imagination deemed, the city of delight, the age of gold. The iron age is ended. Only now, the last Fear spasm of the dying past, the two great wars, the freedom at midnight, leading to so much massacre, so much. So that was the last fear spasm of a dying past. Shall shake the nations, and when that has passed, earth vast of ills shall raise a fairer brow. Here is a message for us too because we often despair oh my god I am so full of defects unfit for anything what yoga can I do is there hope for me I am a sinner so Shobindo says I am saying in general okay I am not talking about anything personal 
in christian um, yoga there is lot of talk about you know i am a sinner the more you say i am a sinner the greater the yogi you are so even that becomes an ego i am useless i am a sinner it is tamasic ego basically sometimes it can be a bloated spiritual ego see i am so humble so <laughs> humility is before the divine this is man's progress for the iron age prepares the age of gold what we call sin is but man's leavings as from deep within the pilot guides him in his pilgrimage so this is the journey of man he leaves behind the ill with strife and pain because it clings and constantly returns and in the fire of suffering fiercely burns more sweetness to deserve more strength to gain so we'll close with um, this wonderful we see constantly as i said shobindo for a long time even would sign his letters as kali so he and there is that famous uh, aphorism of shobindo where he talks about all the gods be wide in me o varuna and it continues and at the end he says um, liberate me from all these gods o kali giving kali the greatest teacher because she is the one who can free us from everything so people know of shri ramkrishna paramhans is a kali bhakta and no doubt he is who saw in kali the world mother but i have at least not heard and i would be very happy shurabindu is the kali bhakta and in the real sense why because kali changes time and shurabindu changed with one stroke all future time he changed the destiny of india he changed the destiny of the world and of mankind he changed the age from the iron age to the golden age and therefore we see in him one who was invoking kali and surely those who are wanting to walk the path it is not enough just to read philosophize and have nice seminars and talks and discussion all that is fine but real yoga begins when mother kali comes and says there is this khapar my little bowl it is empty because whatever was in it i have taken are you ready to give what do you ma want mother i'll give some money i don't want money see i am garlanded with skulls what will i do i don't even know, need a dress mother what do i you want shall i make a house for you a temple temple houses i don't stay in cramped up places i live in the battlefield i feed on the cries of the demons who are slain mother what do you want your head and your blood and if one is ready then kali slays the old head and transplants it with a new one if you are not ready to die to the old consciousness then see this what is the whole game and so we have this wonderful poem of shobindo last time we read the bangla poem the mother awakes and this poem now which we'll read is sanskrit poem as far as i know the only sanskrit poem not only sanskrit rachna because shirbindu has written few lines which go under the name of shirbindu upanishad he has also written a tantra sutra um, which is not poem but here there is a poem there is a meter and uh, it is 99 verses in sanskrit so it's not just a small little poem which shirbindu wrote and the period is between 1904 to 1908 so constantly we see that shirbindu is invoking and this is before he has gone to lele maharaj and that's why when somebody asked shirbindu that sir 
you talk about grace, but you got it all by personal effort. He says, who told you that I got by personal effort? The nirvana. I got it by the grace of the guru or if you like, by the grace of Krishna and Kali. That's how he says. Because even before that, one can see him living the truth of the Gita during the revolution and of course Kali with whom he is invoking. So along similar lines, but this is a completeness. So there we see the mother awakes and she is asking everybody to awake. But this poem, Bhavani Bharti, has several movements. First is the mother comes. Today is the first day of Durga Puja. The mother comes. So we have the pandals. But she has come. When we go and do her darshan now, we should know what she is going to ask. As I lay sunk in the comfort of my couch and my mind wandered on the roads of spring, I thought of my people, of poetry, of wife and enjoyments, pleasure in positions. So the whole family goes to have darshan of Madhurka. I shaped my delight into elegant verse and lyrical stanzas of sensuous passion. I am reading the English translation. I sang of the, I think it is available in a book from Bhavani Bharti and for those who may not be aware, this translation was published in Mother India in 2008. It has been done by Sampadanand Mishra. So, um, I know some sites mentioned by Sri But as far as I know, in Mother India 2008, it was published as translated by Sampadanand Mishra. So, anyways, the most important is the the feel of it. I sang of the smile on my beloved's face and the revered and most sacred feet of the mother. So there is also that worship. So people go and revered feet of the mother. You know, on the final Dashara day, you have the altha and all that. I pray to the feet, then come back, my life unchanged. My country wept all around me for a villainous titan oppressed her children. Led by self-interest, I paid homage to the feet of the evil one. Stained with the blood of my brothers. What can I do this life? One has to, you know, be practical under the name of practical. So I have to pay homage. Lying at ease on a soft couch and dreaming of pleasures, enjoyments and wealth. This is the Asuri Sampada. Oh, my shares are going to rise in the market because the Chinese market is going to crash. So maybe I'll become a billionaire. Oh, my son, he is just going to finish his studies in U.S., and I'll be a rich man. I'll go to US and settle down there. Now all this, you know, couch with pleasure. The bourgeois ideal. Constantly we see this bourgeois and the samurai. I felt on my chest the touch of a dreadful hand. And to my eyes grew visible the shape of Kali. She comes and wakes him up. How? Touching the heart. The heart awakens. Garlanded with the bones of men and girdled with human skulls, with belly and eyes like a wolf's, hungry and poor, scarred on her back by the titan's lashes, roaring like a lioness who lusts for kill. With her fierce, hungry, blazing eyes, irradiating all the worlds, rending the hearts of the gods with the piercing ring of her war cry. So she comes and he sees the mother. And then, what does she say? Mother comes and says something. So normally we see the divine comes and says, Ask what you want. Mother does not... You see, all the writings during the Bande Matram period, he says, What does the mother want? 
He doesn't say what the mother will give. All through, whatever Sri Aurobindo has spoken of, self-giving, all of this they have practiced. And that's why there is such a power and conviction in it. So what does the mother come say as soon as she comes? Arise, give. <laughs> the mother's thirsting call resounded through the night in the starless city, thundering the noble goddess. Filled with the presence, the night's blackness and the hearts of men. How beautiful he is comparing. The night's blackness and the hearts of men. Alarmed and shaken I, in mind, I sprang from my couch and questioned that shape of darkness which compelled worship. Who art thou who appearest to my heart in the night in thy terrible splendor? What must I do? Speak salutations to thee, O beautiful goddess. Just compare it with chapter 11 of the Gita. If you read through, you will see the Vishwarup Darshan. There we have the Vishwarup Darshan of Krishna. But who was Krishna? In the Mahabharata, Kali, assuming the face of Shyam. Shyama had assumed. This is there in you know, Mahabhagavat Puran. So, well, maybe after the war is over, the two would have met and Mother Kali would have said, very nice, you could show your Vishwarup. But it was my strength which was informing you. What about mine? This is all my imagination or intuition, whatever. And the mother would have said, and Krishna would have said, wait, I'll come in the age of Kali. And when I come, then it will be your Vishwarup that I'll show to men. So you will see her Vishwarup, similar but much more powerful and ending in a very beautiful way. Uttering a sound like a lion's roar, I am the mother, O child of the Bharata, the eternal people beloved of the gods, whom neither hostile fate nor time nor death has power to destroy. That's why this civilization can never be destroyed. This, because it's needed for the world. It's not out of any selfish interest. Their strength purified by their continence, rendered noble by self-knowledge and severe austerities, resplendent like a thousand shuns. They shone on a prosperous earth, heroic and bold. They would brook no hint of defiance from their foes, worshipping the mother with the sacrifice of her enemies. So there were enemies outside. Then in Durga's throat, Shubindu reminds, there are enemies inside. Who are the enemies? Lust and greed and hungry for power, ambition, fear. These are the enemies we must slay inside. At battle's end, they stood radiant, their limbs anointed with blood. But who are these pitiful and indigent wretches who in their blindness embrace a degrading peace? Like a prostitute? Now this is now Mother Kali's Vishru. It's not Krishna who still has some alluring aspect. She says, who are these people? In Mahabharata, of course, everybody had come. Who are these people? Lying like this. Oh, you unmanly and weak-minded men, do you not know that it is death you clasp? She is not death, she is liberator. Whereas this is death, to lie like this, when the world needs the fire of sacrifice. Summon forth to bat battle the ancient tribes of the Bharata. Where is the bow? Where the sword? Arise, arise, O sleeping lions. Hearing these words in the night and beholding in the darkness a dreadful splendor. My heart danced and leaving my house, shaking off my pleasures, I quickly went forth. Remember when 
see Krishna appearing on the battlefield. Finally, he is still shaking. Should I, should I not? Then he says, he says, who are you? Exactly, no, here also he asks, who are you? Sri Krishna says, Kalos me bhava. I am time the destroyer. Why are you here? To destroy these people. So we see the same mood, not even similar. She says, hearing these words in the night, I saw then this land of India, the Aryan country, wrapped thickly in darkness, suffering, blinded, hidden in the night. And then he looks all around and he sees a titan, gigantic, crushing over India, Vindyas and all other places. His foot is on the on India. And when he sees this, then what happens? He says something which we see again when Arjuna sees this form. There is a prayer and adoration that rises from his heart. It's there now in the Gita. And when he sees this, he says, Who are you? Salutations to you. So here, he looks at the mighty goddess, terrible in radiant beauty. Salutations to thee. O Goddess, omnipotent, to thee I bow, who art terrible and mighty and compassionate. Thou alone preservest these people's salutations to the forceful one, the primeval Goddess. Who is there who can describe thy might? O Goddess, impetuous in thy ways, with one delicate hand thou settest whirling or arrestest in its motion the universe with all its stars and suns, O oh, infinite in energy, he says. This is the Vishwarupa of the Divine Mother he has seen. And he is describing her both sides. So in, in, the, in Shri Krishna, Vishwarupa also you see, no? on one side there is the Divyamal, Gand, compassion. On the other side we see the destruction aspect. Thou art the supreme power, awakening in millions of impassioned men. Incarnating thyself, thou preservest this noble people when it is fallen into distress. From age to age thou fightest, O mother of the Aryans. So we see Shurabindu again, the stone goddess on Parvati hills, uh, goddess Parvati, the Shakti, Durga in Bhavani. All over we see Shurabindu, Durga and Kali. He doesn't, you know, as if all other goddesses have to wait. First Durga and Kali. That period between 1901 to 1910, it's all about Durga and Kali. You see it through his poems and whatever he has himself written and subsequently, as I said, such was the identification that he would sign as Kali. Today again, I behold thy dazzling white form on the mountains of the north. What happened to Arjuna? When he saw Sri Krishna, he says, I cannot behold your form. Please show me a benevolent form of Chaturbhuj. But this is not Arjuna. This is Sri Krishna himself standing before Kali. So he doesn't say, I cannot behold your form. This is the Leela of Ishwara and Ishwari. So he says, Today again I behold thy dazzling white form on the mountains of the north. Effulgent thy light arises. O gracious one! Gracious is thy noble form, white as snow, Uma Hemvati. This is one of the names of the mother goddess. The exalted countenance of Bhavani, I bow to the mighty one, robed in white, radiant with the bright beauty of youth, her eyes moist with compassion. So he's seeing, you know, both aspects of the Divine Mother. Where now is that terrible figure? 
garlanded with the bones of men and girdled with skulls naked and fierce dreadful with a gaping mouth by whose cries i was suddenly aroused so there we see because arjuna cannot see any more so he says please reveal your gracious form here he beholds and he knows what he has to do and then the divine mother having charged one life with the destiny of a race she comes back that look this is the form i have assumed i am none else but gauri i assumed the form of kali i wear the mask of kali when i kill so this is how she manifests to shurbindo if this is not spiritual experience then i don't know what is spiritual experience <laughs> i mean standard textbooks life of shurbindo first experience nirvana and what is this this is i mean this is amazing and then to armed in thy gracious aspect i bow to thee and again with trident uplifted bringing deliverance from fear to thee i bow o mother o radiant savitri o three-eyed one thy white-limbed white-robed loveliness mounted on a bull so all the you know bull is of course parvati herself so all this aspect he shows and the change because the divine mother has shown in one flash what she is going to do i have read only excerpts because 99 stanzas so i have just picked up from here and there so these are the three movements first she comes she awakens and then she takes the terrible form and he is awakened his life is now charged with a mandate and a mission that he has to become the instrument of kali at that point of time for awakening the masses to the cry of the mother so bande matram is born you know another two years down the line and after he does it then the work of krishna first kali comes then krishna comes so this how we see in shirbindo's life and then when she sees that she has charged one life with all the force and he has received it all then the divine mother changes into that gracious form that this is what is the destiny and i have come right now in this form but this is the one which india shall be one day ten armed das pujadharini ten armed with all thy ten weapons thou protectest the aryans o mother unattainable in the ten directions so what is the symbol of these ten arms she is beyond the das dishas whichever way you go you will find one of her arm guarding the austere path to the alone as the womb of the world the that primal energy out of whom the world comes into being thou sittest with a thousand arms embracing thy children so that we know bande matram bankim chans thousand arms million arms unthinkable in thy energy who can think of it you and then the last few lines stanzas the mighty mother of creatures has vanquished the age of strife so now he sees that she has come and actually changed the world all this in a flash shubindu has seen so why this poem is taken you know, people may wonder 1904 to 1908 this poem was written over 4 years because that experience is developing to its fullness that's how i understand it there is nowhere shubindu is not mentioned that because of that but i look at it like that that experience was developing in its fullness so every time this came up he was you know writing these stanzas once again so what happens toward the end she has shown to shubindu what she is going to bring 
to this land? What is going to happen to India? What is India's destiny? People often ask, no? What is going to happen to India? As a weakling, if you ask, probably the mother will say, you are going to be slain. <laughs> Don't be a bourgeois. <laughs> but if you approach her as one who lays everything in her hands, what is she going to say? Because this is the revelation she has given to the one who is sacrificing everything for the sake of the mother. She says, once again I hear in the forest the chanting of the Veda, which is a fountain of immortalizing nectar to the heart, an overflowing river of humanity streams to the hermitages of the sages, perfected in self-knowledge. This is exactly what Sri Ramakrishna also said, that in the coming age, in the over another 200-300 years, such men will be born in India who will pale the rishis of old. And Shurabindra has made a similar prophecy. Mother has spoken about the same thing. But one has to go through this. So all this past rishis will pale into the background in front of this kind of humanity which is going to come. Once again the eternal ways of the dharma are guarded by one nobly born in the solar race. Who is this Surivanshi? <laughs> solar race, the supramental, very gently, subtly. <laughs> the hints. One born in the solar race. Who is the solar race? We see the lineage of the great avatars. Who is the one who will be born to the solar race and carry on that task further? And once again, resplendent Lakshmi, a smile on her lips, reigns steadfast among the Bharatas. So, Lakshmi is going to come. But first, Mother Kali and the one born in the solar race. In east and west I hear the cry and stir of the whole world Hastening with praise on its tongue to this country The ancient mother of the Vedas As those who dwell in Shiva's sacred city of Kashi Are liberated by the auspicious touch of the Lord So all this Aryan country where the goddess has set up purifying feet Shall be the Kashi of the world Want to hear a prophecy? <laughs> All India is Kashi, not just one Kashi, whole of India, because the Divine Mother has set her foot upon earth in this land, Arebhumi. O infinite in thy forms, thou art contentment, compassion, patience, and indomitable heroism. Wherever we find these qualities, there we should know that some touch of the Divine Mother is there. What are these qualities? Contentment, compassion, patience and indomitable heroism, faith and endurance and knowledge of every kind. Be gracious, noble goddess, dwell long in the hearts of the Indian people. He has seen all this with the Divine Mother's coming. Illumining, illumining these rivers and snowy mountains with the most gentle luster. Be firmly established in the Aryan country. Abide forever gracious in this land, O mighty one, for the good of the world. Namaste. <laughs>